It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power. Loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Series 3, Episode 18 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast as we talk three poor, poor games in a row. Consecutive 2-2 draws in the Premier League against Burnley and then against Leicester followed a 2-1 League Cup defeat to Bristol City of the Championship. No youth roundup this week because those teams are on a winter break, but we're talking all three games at once since so many of the same issues and positives, to be fair, came up so regularly. Um, starting with the negatives, because I think that's what that's what people want to hear at this time. It's been it's been a pretty atrocious two two weeks or so, hasn't it, Jack? Yeah, it really has been a very very poor few weeks, Harry. Just all of it since the derby has been very very underwhelming, and even the even the games where we did get decent results against West Brom and against Bournemouth were very very poor performances. Ever since that that uh, that humbling in the derby, it's been all downhill, and the last week has been probably our worst of the season so far. Even during that run of, of big games where we weren't getting the results we wanted, you know, we were playing the big teams. But the last last week, we've lost to a championship side, had a horrific draw against Leicester that should have been a very, very comfortable win, and then managed to find ourselves in a 2-0 hole at a half an hour gone in the Burnley game, which we should never have been in and made a decent fight back. But it really has been very, very poor and it's not what we wanted to see, not the kind of rebound we wanted from the disappointing defeat to City. Yeah, I mean, we, we still haven't bounced back. Lackluster stuff, um, sloppy errors, childish mistakes is what Mourinho called it after the Leicester game. I mean, the Leicester game in particular, the Bristol game will, you could class as a blip, as a, a cup set. The Leicester game was, it, it kind of felt it had a inevitability about it. When Leicester can, um, when Leicester got the equaliser in the ninety-fourth minute, and everything United did against a ten-man Leicester side who aren't brilliant in the second half was just woeful. Everything we were doing, it was just like, come on, how have we, how have we managed to mess this up so badly? And it's, it wasn't even asking how. Everyone knew how it was because of the changes we made, because of the stupid defensive mistakes, because of 
what Mourinho did from the touchline, um, a lack of leadership at the back, a lack of organisation from certain players, a refusal from certain players, Koff and Herrera, to to move into certain positions to cover for Chris Smalling. Um, it was the Leicester game was terrible all round. The Burley game was slightly different, and we eventually did okay to come back. But the Leicester game was a proper proper kick in the teeth, but one that you could have predicted at about sixty minutes. I'm I'm not really sure why in some ways because we've definitely had worse performances than that this season, but. The Leicester game, for me, was arguably the most frustrating performance that I can remember from us in a long time, certainly this season. There was just something about the game. It was just, as you said, it was almost a sense of inevitability about it. You could just see the goal coming from a mile away and not one player in the team stood up and actually went and did anything about it. It was ridiculous. The first the first goal, to, first of all, to start off there, that is classic Leicester City in the last three years. There is absolutely no way you should be getting beaten by something that Leicester have become known for. The long ball over the top to either Vardy or Mares, with the other one then coming in in support. And the whole thing was just an absolute shambles. Chris Smalling had his body shape all wrong and just allowed Mares to keep the ball there, stationary, waiting for Vardy's run to get there. Phil Jones and Victor Lindelof were jogging back for the majority of that. And then Phil Jones finally realised once it was too late. And then for the second goal, as you said, it's just a complete and utter lack of leadership led to that and Herrera's refusal to go to right back from Phil Jones not being able to take command and actually organise the team the way that he should and then why on earth was Chris Smalling even thrown back onto the pitch he went off on like the 92nd minute I think it was something like that because of his injury and then decides to come back in to try and help when we weren't even a man down if Smalling was off the pitch it would have been 10 versus 10 and all it did was create confusion at the back post because everyone else thought we had a man at the back post but Lo and behold, he was injured and couldn't jump. And Maguire steals in round the back and manages to get the goal. And it, it was just an utter shambles that last five minutes. Arguably, Leicester's biggest threat from set pieces was being marked by a man who had one leg. And it, it just made no sense. There was a, a whole category of errors. First, Mourinho sending him back on when they only had 10 men in. It was clear he was going to be more of a hindrance than a help. Then, Smalling himself going to Mark Maguire and not sending someone else there. Herrera refusing to cover him at right back and then sending Mkhitaryan there. Other players not organising to Mark Maguire instead of Smalling. If Smalling's going to come back on, he should have just waited on the halfway line, pull a pull a Leicester player out and and possibly hold up the ball for a counter-attack um, in an unlikely scenario of that. But yeah, more of a hindrance than a help. So why was he allowed on the pitch? And then when he was allowed back on the pitch, why did the players not cover for him? And it is it is to do with a lack of leadership. Michael Carrick is club captain. He's not playing. He's not a particularly huge organiser of people. Antonio Valencia, when he's not playing, again, even when he is playing as vice captain and regular captain when we're actually on the pitch, isn't isn't that kind of person you would expect to take a take a lead? Um, Paul Popper's the third choice captain. Don't see him doing much of that. Phil Jones was doing a bit of it, and then then you've got someone like Herrera refusing to, to follow his orders. It was it was a, a fatal error and we had more of them against Burnley as well. And it, it comes down to set pieces because that less equaliser was from a cross. Um, but quite a similar situation to a set piece. And if you now look at set pieces, um, Lukaku is seriously struggling in defending set pieces. We conceded from two against City, dropped three points. One against Leicester, dropped two points. And two against Burnley and dropped two points. 
in the last three weeks. I think that maybe is one of the most frustrating aspects of this. It's not just the fact that we're conceding goals, it's the kind of goals that we're conceding. As you said, one one from a set piece against Leicester, one from a set piece against Burnley. It It's just ridiculous that we keep keep conceding so many of these types of goals. Even going back to the City game, against the team famous for its dominance going forward and amazing pass-move football, and we can see two goals from set-pieces against them that, that lost us the game. It's now cost us, what, seven points in, in those three games combined, which is just ridiculous that a team that has quite famously been built on players at over six foot that Mourinho loves to sign, and yet we can't defend set-pieces. Um, I, I mean, the the DeFore free kick against Burnley, sometimes you have to just accept that some goals, there's nothing really you can do about it. It wasn't a terrible free kick for Ashley Young to, to give away. He had a genuine chance of winning the ball and then DeFore pulls out a, a world-class free kick. But the first goal was definitely avoidable. It was poor old Lukaku again. Well, I say poor old Lukaku. I mean, it's his own fault that he seems to be incapable of defending set pieces at the moment. But... It is really shocking that a team, A, a team of our height, and B, a team that wants to be fighting for titles is giving away such silly goals all the time. And I think a lot of it probably does come down to a lack of leadership again because it's just a failure to organise people properly in the box. And you wonder what's going on on in the training ground because this is clearly a weakness that we have at the moment, even though maybe it wasn't at the start of the season. But it doesn't appear that we've done any kind of work on it to try and rectify it. Yeah. There is no evidence that we've we've worked on it. In fact, it, it seems to be getting worse as the season goes on. And it was very obvious after the City game that Lukaku cannot defend. It's the same as Smalling when he's injured. Uh, more more of a hindrance than a help. So why is he being put on key players in the box, like Ashley Barnes, to, to defend against them? Why is he not on the edge of the box in a less important position? Because if, if I was a opposing manager to Mourinho I'd now be saying target the set pieces to where Lukaku is because even if he's going to get to the ball first he's going to swipe it away and, and suddenly it'll fall to your player and score absolutely there are just certain players who aren't who aren't meant to be defending set pieces and whether and it's not it's not necessarily because they're too small but Lukaku clearly at least at the moment just isn't whether he's not in the right frame of mind or he just can't doesn't know understand how to defend set pieces he is more of a hindrance as a help, as you said, in the box. And so why why do we keep persisting with putting him right in the thick? And it's, it's not even as if he, he's like the first man to beat or something, which is, you know, where, I remember when uh, Van Persie was at United, he, he wasn't amazing at defending set pieces, but we'd always put him as the first man to beat because he could win a free header. And that's exactly where Lukaku should be if we insist on having him in, in there defending at set pieces. He should not be man-marking people and he should not be tasked with trying to put in a good defensive header when he's surrounded by five players. Because as bad as his defending from set pieces is, why are we asking someone who clearly doesn't, isn't suited to that role to do, to do something that he just isn't equipped to be able to do at the moment? It's just shocking and it's just schoolboy errors that are costing us at the moment. It comes down to what we've mentioned a few times in recent weeks is that we're not playing to our players' strengths. And yet, the really frustrating thing is we've played City quite clearly the best team in the country and possibly the best team in the world at the moment on form. Um, I think it's 17 or 18 consecutive wins now in the in the league, which is ridiculous um, and unprecedented. We play against them and the only two goals we concede are two rubbish set pieces. Then we play against Leicester, we concede a rubbish set piece to lose more points. We play against Burnley, 
generally when we defend, we defended pretty well. They they didn't have any chances. And yet we can see two goals. And if you can't defend set pieces in the Premier League, you're never going to win a, a Premier League title. Um, let alone have any kind of success because it's quite obvious. I mean, we've had three games of poor defending from set pieces and we've conceded um, six goals in the league and another two against Bristol. Um, and while we should probably have, even then we should probably should have won them. So Leicester, we should have scored six goals. I, I have no doubt in saying that. Burnley, we should, probably should have scored three or four. And City, we should have scored two or three. So even then we could have won those games. So it's not just down to the defending, but you're not always going to score as many goals as you should do unless you're, because we're not a complete team yet. We're not one of the best teams in the world. So what you have to do is not concede stupid goals. What Marino described as S goals, he said you can fill in the other three letters. And he's blamed childish mistakes. And he went all out after the Leicester game, um, all guns blazing, threw his players right under the bus and repeatedly drove over the heads. The Burnley game, he came out and said, nothing negative to say about my players. Um, so an interesting sort of contrast there. I guess we threw away the game against Leicester, whereas we grabbed it back against Burnley. But both of them, I don't really see them in a different light. They're both rubbish to me, even though Burnley are a much better team. We should we should be easily seeing them off at home. I, I guess maybe the difference just simply comes from the way that the game ended in a way. It, it's funny how, how much the ending to a game can really affect the way that you look at it. And having been 2-0 down and scoring a late equaliser, maybe that has something to do with it. Also, I, I mean, I guess also... You know, like I said, maybe the goals were slightly less frustrating against Burnley. The set piece is still obviously bad, but as I said before, the the four free kick, there's not really much you can do about that. To be honest with you, it, it's it wasn't a terrible foul to give away, and he just pulled out an amazing free kick. And some, I'm some sometimes you just have to put your hands up and admit that it was just a world class strike. But it wasn't. It was interesting to see that difference in the way that Mourinho came out after the game. Whether there had been a reaction from the players to what he said and not liking the, him publicly coming out and kind of throwing them under the bus because there wasn't too much in, difference in the games. Like like you said, although the endings were different, I don't see overall a massive difference between the two performances. Ultimately, it's still two very, very disappointing two-all draws that we shouldn't be having. And it just mean that the gap to Man City now is just becoming a bit of a joke, to be honest. Um, it could be 50. Yeah. We're, we're recording this on... Uh, Wednesday night, about half an hour before the Manchester City game kicks off. So it could be 15 points by the time uh, this goes out. And I mean, the title race was over anyway, but I mean, it's becoming a bit embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, not everyone expected us to win the league, particularly when City were this good and it was fairly obvious that they were this good at the start of the season. Now they've carried on. I don't think anyone would be too hungry if we don't win the league because this City side has a potential to be one of the best the league has seen and they're not yet. They haven't done it for the entire season. They haven't done it for a few seasons in a row. But they are incredibly good and they've dropped two points in the first half of the season, which is ridiculous. But what people do expect is for us to challenge for the title. That was the expectation under Mourinho and we're not doing that. It is, it's not United and City, everyone else. It is City, United and Chelsea, a few more people, a few more people and then down to the mid-table and relegation battle. United aren't level with City. Um, and that's where we should be as a minimum I mean if you look at what Mourinho is saying it's all over the back pages our our results aren't so he's doing what he wants to do in the press Um, I mean if you think back to City and and Milk Bottle Gate that was back pages 
us losing to City at home and being pretty much humiliated wasn't. Bristol, he was saying they were lucky. That's on the back pages, not the result against Bristol. It's He's he's doing that job well, um, just not, not doing some other things well. Do you think that the Liverpool game can be seen as the, the turning point in our season? Because if you look at our... Someone did a table of results since the beginning of October. And United are as close to Stoke in 15th as City in 1st since October. Um, and obviously in the actual table, that's not true. And should City win against uh, win against Newcastle, we'll be as close to Newcastle in, in 18th as we are to City in 1st. We're getting worse as the season goes on. This is, this is not how we should be doing. But do you think Liverpool is, is the turning point? No, I, I don't actually. I think... That game was obviously disappointing, but I don't think that was actually anything different than what Mourinho wanted and expected. That I don't think he was very disappointed with that game. I don't even think the players necessarily were. For me, I, I think the Huddersfield game would have been more of a turning point uh, if, if we're going to kind of look for one. I think that game was the first time we'd played a non-toxic side and or A, got, didn't, uh, you know, got beaten, but B looked very very poor you know even in uh was it the Stoke game that we drew earlier in the season we uh, going forward we still looked very good and although that was a tight game we easily could have won that game but against Huddersfield we offered so little and I think personally that was more of a turning point because and this was obviously during the period when we didn't have Pogba as well and we always talk about how much of an important player Pogba is for us although as many people have pointed out hasn't done much good in the last uh few games but that was kind of the first game against a smaller side without Pogba this season. And I think that was more of a turning point because it showed up how much we struggle without him, not just against sides that maybe we aren't expected to beat necessarily, like Liverpool away from home, but against Huddersfield, a newly promoted side. And we struggled to get anything going um, going forward. And personally, I think that would should be seen as more of a turning point than the Liverpool game. Um, but I mean, even even just in terms of looking for a turning point itself, I'm not sure there necessarily is one game where you can pinpoint where the season turn. I think it's been a combination of things of the fixtures getting harder and that not being an excuse uh, of, of Pogba being out injured, but also just a some very bad tactics from Mourinho, I would say. And, and we've criticised him a lot for that, uh, especially in the way we set, set up in a few games during that, that tough period of fixtures. And, and of also the players at crucial moments making key mistakes. Think back to the City game. They come from two individual areas from Lukaku. You think of the Leicester game and just a number of players not taking control of that. You think of even, even the Bristol City game and, and the shambolic defending in that game. That those, those kind of things aren't down to, net, or at least not entirely by any stretch, down to Mourinho. That is just down to the players not, not doing their jobs on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, going to the most recent one, Burnley. You see players just passing it off the pitch. And the the only person you can blame for the entire team is the manager. Um, and that will always be the case. That's how football works. But things like that, I've, players have got to take responsibility. And that's a that's become a cliche now. Um, but the, you can't blame that on Mourinho. Mkhitaryan comes on, he's, he's done all right, he's he's driven through central midfield and then he sees a pass to Ashley Young at right back, just plays it straight off the pitch. Marcus Rojo did it in the first half. You can't control for things like that. Before we go into transfers um, and talk about Mourinho's recent comments, um, 
Should we just go through the the good players of the last few weeks and the and the bad players? Starting off with the bad, let's stay on the stay stay on the negative before we get a bit positive. And Herrera, atrocious. Still yet to put in a, a good minute this season, let alone a good performance. Came on against Leicester, made us worse. Came on against Burnley, I think, made us worse. He is having a, a mare of a season. Yeah, it's been truly shocking, honestly, to watch how bad he's been this season. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it's and especially to think that he was our start, one of our starting midfielders last season, and had gen- generally a pretty good year. He wasn't amazing, but definitely showed a lot of improvement from his first season at United. But he has just regressed so much this year. It is honestly laughable to watch. He just has absolutely no calmness on the ball. Defensively, he's extremely rash. And, and you know, I've I've spoken about this before, but. It never stops bugging me when Herrera gets the picks up the ball and just does this wild sort of lofted pass around the corner, just hoping that anyone will be there. And there inevitably is it, and we end up losing the ball and have to then set up for an attack from the other team. Positional awareness is terrible. The, the, the classic Ander Herrera one-man press and then leaves a huge gaping hole in midfield. And he's not doing anything on the ball either. So he's terrible off the ball and, and poor on the ball. Um and he's, he's seriously affecting the side, which is a, a shame because Fellaini and Carrick are both injured for the festive period. Scott McTominay is going to have to keep getting more chances, but Mourinho certainly likes him, which is a, a good thing. Um, more bad players. Marcus Rojo. Not a, I mean, I think he's close to... A, I think he's got four yellow cards since returning from injury. Given he's been injured for the large part of the season, that's quite impressive. In a bad way, um, and he's not been good. Hooked at half time against against Burnley. The, um, the the defending from him in the Bristol City, and it wasn't just him to be fair, but in the Bristol City game for both goals, just he he just completely almost stood still when there was a clear run being made right across the front of him, and it ended up costing us two goals. For the first goal, he he just doesn't track the man at all. I'm I'm not sure if he's trying to play offside or if I don't I don't really know what he was doing. And for the second one. He, he almost just stands still and then decides to put his hand up appealing for offside when it's clearly not offside and he just let the man run right across the face. Yeah, um, sort of in the middle between good and bad is, is Latin Ibrahimovic who seems to have lost about 50 yards of pace and is sort of lumbering forward like uh, like most six foot five men would do but he managed not to do previously. I mean, he was slow before but he, he does not look like he's fully fit yet. No, he, um, he definitely doesn't. I was, I was very surprised that he started against Burnley actually because... Even in the other, when he started against Bristol City, yes, he scored the free kick, but he didn't look fit in that game. And against Burnley, he was very, very. I mean, as a t- as a whole, as a team, we were pretty poor. But he especially was extremely poor in the first half against Burnley. And I don't think he should be near the starting lineup at this point. He definitely doesn't look match fit yet. Yeah, and Marcus Rashford, not in his best form. And the reason for that is because he's played a ridiculous amount in the last two years, and he looks tired. That, like there's there's no doubt he looks tired, um, but that means don't just keep playing him, hoping his confidence will get back up because he's not in good form. Give him a rest. Um, we've we've got to realise that the there will be long term benefits of giving Rashford a rest, especially when we've got Anthony Martial. Um, the, the and, thing, and the other thing that's frustrating me about Rashford in the last couple of weeks is that the one thing that seems to be letting him down a lot is his decision making, which. We we've praised earlier this season because it seemed to be getting better. It was one of one of his kind of worst traits, I'd say, even in when he was had putting in great performances during his kind of breakout time at United. Was often his decision making would let him down, 
and he seemed to have fixed it a little bit. Um, and in the last few weeks, it, it seems to have deserted him again. Obviously, the, the big one that everyone will, will remember is the um, the one-on-one against Leicester that he that he uh, messed yeah. up. But there's been other occasions as well where his decision making is just t- turned back to being really, really poor. He seems to run at people when there's a better pass on, and he seems to play, try and play a very intricate pass when he's better just going at a man one v one. He still obviously offers us something going forward with his pace and his great movement. But you're right, he definitely needs a rest, and it's not as if we're reliant on him in the wings. We have, like you said, Martial. We have Lingard who can play out wide, although he's been playing great uh, in the centre. We have Mkhitaryan who can come in, who himself hasn't been playing great, but looked a little bit better in the two cameos he's been given recently. So there really is no excuse for him just to keep churning out all of these minutes. And when you can see, it's affecting the way that he plays. He is one of many in, in bad form, but onto, onto good form. We shall start on the sort of slightly good form. Luke Shaw is not back to where he was. He is on his way to looking like the player that we think he could be. And we're not we're not going to go over the top because it could all come crashing down <laughs> in the next few weeks, which wouldn't be a surprise, and he could get an injury, which would certainly not be a surprise. But Shaw is looking confident um, and looking good, and sometimes a bit a bit of a liability defensively, um, which won't help his cause with Mourinho. Sometimes he goes charging forward, leaves a leaves a rather large hole um, <laughs> for someone to cover, which probably doesn't help Marcus Rojo's form. But Shaw is looking a lot better. Yeah, I've been really, really impressed with Shaw actually recently. Like you said, it hasn't been perfect by any means, but he's really, really picked up well from where he left off before his really bad injury. And he seems like he's getting back somewhere near his best. He seems to... I mean, the one thing I love about Shaw, and always loved, is his sort of marauding runs down the left, uh, down the left flank. And he, whoever he plays with, he seems to have a great relationship with them. There was Martial in, in the season before he got um, the really bad leg, in, leg break against PSV. He had seemed to be building up a great relationship with Martial down the left, and it, it was Rashford against Burnley. Uh, he just seems to whoever he plays with, he seems to play off of them really, really well. Defensively, he's he's getting a lot better with every game that he plays. When he first came back, he was still a little bit shaky defensively, but he's really starting to improve on that now. And going forward, he still looked like the, the Luke of old. I really hope that soon, once he gets a bit of match fitness back, especially with the injury to Valencia at right back, meaning Young might have to play right back a little bit more. I really hope he gets a run of games in the side if he's fit enough. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Ashley Young at right back, impressing again. Um, just very solid, continuing his his good performances. So um, that's that's a very good option to have at both left back and right back. Really good to have. And just just below the level of who we're going to mention last, um, Romelu Lukaku. His hold up play in recent. I, the City game was atrocious, which uh, we haven't actually recorded an episode since the City game. So a lot has happened since then. But Leicester and Burnley. Lukaku's hold-up play was fantastic. Um, the team in general was was terrible, but Lukaku didn't get many chances himself, but created plenty, so many for for other players. Obviously, they missed um, because that's what's going on at the moment. But um, Lukaku has looked a lot stronger. His first touch has looked better. His decision making, his his vision has looked much better. And at the moment, he he's done nothing wrong in the last few games. I, I would go as far as to say that the Leicester game is the best game that Lukaku has played for us since joining. I, I know there was all those games earlier in the season when he was going on his, his insane scoring run and he got two match-winning goals for us against, um, against was it West Brom and Bournemouth? He scored in both of those headers in both, I think. Yeah. But the game against Leicester was 100% for me the best performance he's had in a United shirt. His hold-up play 
and and his link up was absolutely phenomenal with and it was wasn't just with one or two people with everyone around him whether it was Lingard, Rashford, Martial, Mata, Pogba, whoever it was whenever he received the ball I I can't remember him losing a ball that he should have kept once during the entire game he was linking up so well with teammates by nice one twos and in some ways I I wonder with Lukaku whether it's a confidence thing because I can't remember who it was with it might have been Mata I think it was even Matter or Lingard, but right in like the first first or second minute of the game against Leicester, he played a nice one-two with someone going forward that led to, I think it was a shot, it obviously didn't go in, it wasn't the most threatening attack, but it was just a really positive way to start the game for Lukaku, and he seemed to build on that for the entire game. He, he should have ended up, I think, with, with three assists, um, obviously the, the Lingard open goal miss was, was one of the, and potentially the best one of the three from, from Lukaku, the pass... The delay and then the weight of the pass through to Lingard was brilliant. He gave one to uh, Martial as well, which Martial should have scored. And there was one to Mkhitaryan that was a, a more difficult chance, but on another day you could have seen that gone in. And, and so even though he hasn't scored in the last couple of games, even against Burnley as well, he was probably, other than the person that we're going to talk about in a second, probably the best, our best attacking player on the pitch. His hold-up play is really starting to improve, and I think that's a really positive step that we've looked for so far this season. I don't expect it to stay like this all the time. Obviously, that's what we want, but I, I understand that it's not going to be like this all the time and it is a work in progress, but it's just really nice to see that it is improving and that it is progressing throughout the season because that was really the one thing that has been missing from his game. He has scored a lot of goals against the smaller teams. He has started to score. One of the main criticisms earlier in the season was, oh, he only stat pads, you know, he only scores the fourth or fifth goal in a win. He started scoring more important goals, got the winner against both West Brom and against Bournemouth. And he is starting to get in there with more important goals. It's now just the link-up play and the hold-up play that we really need to see the improvement from him in. And it, we are starting to see it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I like how, even though I haven't told you, you know who we're talking about next, which obviously is Jesse Lingard. Six goals in seven games, two assists in that time as well. I mean, he hasn't actually completed a full 90 minutes in the last seven games. And he was a, he was a half-time sub against Burnley, but he's been brought off in, in almost every game. But he's won United five points in those games. And that is the current gap to Liverpool. So Jesse Lingard is effectively putting us above Liverpool at the moment. Um, That's a scary thought, though. Only Jesse Lingard is separate. <laughs> I mean, yes. Yes, it is. Um, but at the same time, Lingard is, is in brilliant form. And... Even my my Arsenal supporting friends who hate him for quite obvious reasons. Um, I mean, the general football community seems to hate him, but he's arguably my favourite player at United at the moment. Enjoying himself and and in sensational form. Not just goal scoring form. He's also creating a lot. His movements brilliant. He's the hardest working player on the pitch. It's it's fantastic to watch, and he he celebrates his goals properly, <laughs> which is which is fun to watch. He's just enjoying himself and. Hugely important. Yeah, 100%. He's been brilliant the last month or so. Um, really started with that Watford game, I guess, with the sublime goal uh, and just a very good all-round performance. And he's sort of just carried it on from there. Everything about him in the last month has been brilliant. He, he has looked more threatening than he ever has during his career. And, he, and he's added that end product, which we've always said has been the main problem with his game. And he's actually added that and it has taken him to a whole new level Playing through the middle just off the striker seems to have revolutionised his game completely. There was a, a really good interview with him uh, the, the other day, I think it was after the Burnley game, where he kind of explained why he likes playing off the striker rather than playing out wide. And he, he just feels like he has more licence to get in the box and, and to be able to link up with the striker a little bit more. I think it, we've, always, we've always seen something in, in Lingard in, in that you don't get his kind of movement through 
not understanding the game very, very well. But it was always just a question of whether he would add the end product. And he seems to be doing that over the last month. He has been brilliant. As you said, clearly just loves playing the game. Whenever he comes on, he seems to always want to get on the ball, no matter how things are going for him during the game. Uh, great celebration, especially the Millie Rock against Arsenal. That was uh, maybe the highlight of the season so far. Um, but yeah, just a, a brilliant month for him and hopefully he can carry on and actually get some 90 minutes under his belt because even during that seven-game stretch, the fact that he hasn't played 90 minutes once despite being clearly our best player for in almost every single one of those games is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and that you see nine goals and five assists this season. Uh, he's contributed a goal every 81 minutes he's played, just talking about um, not starting games and, and coming off when he does start games. I mean, he's an easy target because he misses he misses easy chances. And we saw um, against Burnley, he missed from three yards out and hit the keeper in the in the cheek um, and then scores a, a stunner, stunning back heel into the bottom left corner. It's, it's classic Jesse Lingard. He still can't score easy chances, but he could score an 80-yard solo goal against Watford, a brilliant finish against Arsenal and, and a back heel flick against Burnley. Um but clearly the best number 10 in the team. Matt has had some decent moments. Mkhitaryan has had zero good moments in, in unsurprising fashion. But Lingard is, has, has been brilliant. The, the best work rate in the team, um, the right energy and desire and, and the, yeah, the desire to go for things and constantly going for it. And then and perhaps that's because he's not played as many minutes. But at the same time, it's about his attitude and what he's doing at the moment. And I'm, I don't really care if he... Some people are like, oh, why is he dancing when he celebrates? Like, he could do what he wants if he's scoring six goals in seven games. He's our top scorer in recent months. Um, yeah, definitely first choice number 10 at the moment. So he's, uh, he's been the best player recent weeks. Right, very quickly, we'll probably talk about this more in act- like in the January transfer window. Um, we definitely will talk about this at some point. Um, but Mourinho said we haven't spent enough money, um, is what the papers said. What he actually said was United have to spend more money because of who they are, because of the pressure to be at the top, because of the history of the club and because everyone knows our spending power. And he was saying, we're like AC Milan, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, um, whereas Man City are, are less, are not as overcharged, you could say. I mean, one argument is that Mourinho's signings have generally been pretty good. Baye is our best defender. Matic is our best defensive midfielder. Pogba is our best midfielder and probably our best player. Um Zlatan scored 28 goals in his first season and Lukaku's been pretty good. Mkhitaryan on and off. Lindelof looks like he has the potential to be good. So his signings have genuinely been good compared to Van Gaal as well. If you look at Van Gaal's signing, Romero, yeah, great backup keeper. Shaw's struggled at times. Rojo struggled at times. Damian's nowhere near the team. Blind's nowhere near the team. Herrera's terrible. Schneiderlin's been sold. Schweinsteiger's been sold. Martial had a tricky spell, is now back. So Van Gaal had a few good ones, but then hit and miss. Mourinho's generally been pretty good with his signings and he inherited a terrible team. Um, a team, what what would be the word? A team infected by the, the Louis Van Gaal virus of passing the ball backwards. And people are comparing him to Guardiola. Similar amounts of money spent, sure, but the team Guardiola inherited is, is far better. Um, Aguero, Silva, De Bruyne, Sterling, Fernandinho, company... Um, yeah, and, and Guardiola is currently a better manager than Mourinho. I I can freely admit that he is doing ridiculous things with Manchester City, um, but at the same time he inherited better. Um, and Mourinho's point is kind of fair, but at the same time 
it, it, I mean, it's pretty easy to see it's a, it's a distraction technique from... I think Mourinho's point is fair, but doesn't account for a 15-point gap. Yes. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if we were six points behind Man City and, and they still had only dropped two points this season, then, you, then you'd be saying he's completely right because he did inherit a worse squad than Guardiola. And although they have spent similar amounts since they came in, and obviously we've spent the most on any individual player in Pogba and Lukaku far eclipsing anything that City have spent on a player. I think you have to look at where they were. Oh, sorry, you have to you have to think about the, the extent to which that is actually affecting things now. I don't think that we are a better team than Man City, no matter who our manager is. The players that they have are just simply better than ours in a lot of positions in the starting eleven and in terms of the depth of the squad as well. For me, that is just a fact. But they aren't 15 points better than us. And that is the issue, is how have we let ourselves slip so far behind Man City? Yes, Man City are having a historically good season. Dropping two points at Christmas is a ridiculous start to the season. And I can't remember a team ever doing that. I'm not even sure the Invincibles had only dropped two points at this this time in the season. I I don't think the Invincibles were top of the league at this point. I mean, there, there was a there was a season. Was it was it oh seven where we went unbeaten until February and then lost at Wolves? But even then, I yeah. think we'd had more. We definitely had more than one draw between the start of the season and now. So I don't think we should be expecting ourselves to be level with Man City or above Man City because, frankly, it's just not achievable. But a fifteen point gap is speaks a lot more than the difference in the two squads that we have at the moment. And I think the the thing that sort of you can tell it's a distraction technique is because of the 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 fact he brought up what City is spending on fullbacks, it's just not really relevant, is it? The, the 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 point about United getting overcharged, yeah, I mean that that's true, partly because Edward would once came out and said we have three hundred fifty million to spend, which was basically an invitation to say you're not getting in for cheap. Um, but it's like that doesn't account for how bad we've been in defence recently. It's not relevant. It is a distraction technique, but. The the point in general is fair. It's just it's a classic Mourinho, yeah. classic Mourinho thing. And we'll we'll talk more about transfers during January. But we've got who have we got we got Southampton on the thirtieth, and then Everton on the first. As as the fixtures keep coming thick and fast. What what are we going for Southampton? For Southampton, at home. I think. I mean it. It's tough because if you'd have asked me this the time we did our last episode, I probably would have said a four 0 win. Because that's at the start of the season, it's what we were doing to everyone, and how I thought we were going to react to the derby. Um, I think we're going to struggle, but I think we will. I think we'll we'll get a scrappy one nil win with a Jesse Lingard goal again. With a Jesse Lingard goal. <laughs> I mean, I should be going for a two two draw given our our recent uh, our recent performances. I will go for a one one draw, and then we're going to bounce back away to Everton with a three nil. Win. I mean, the I don't know what odds you'll get on those two results. It's very unlikely. The, the one thing I would un- say about the Everton game is that whatever the score ends up and ends up being, don't expect a good game because <laughs> both teams will have had forty-eight hours to recover yeah. from their last. And the last time I can remember us playing a game on that short recovery time was Spurs. Is it the season before last? Oh, the season God. before that, and it was one of the yeah. worst nil-nil draws I've ever seen. 
Yeah, it was just an um, awful game from start to finish. Don't expect much of that Everton game. Yeah. Anyway, we have we have run over time significantly, but it's it's been a it's been a bad couple of weeks. But he's Mourinho's doing a lot of things right. He's also doing a few things wrong. But he's fighting the Glazers over transfers, which would will always be appreciated by United fans. Um, he's improving players. Valencia, young. Shaw, even you could say, Rashford and Martial. Lingard has been sensational. Lukaku's back on form. Our defence has been pretty terrible. Our set pieces need to improve. There's a lot of things that need to change, but it's been okay. And hopefully this is this is a blip. And hopefully we can bounce back against Southampton and, and then start 2018 well and put start a good cup run against Derby in the in the FA Cup. Um, but yeah, a tough few weeks, but hopefully we can bounce back very soon. Um, for more from you, where can we follow you on Twitter? At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me at, at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at, at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end. Thank you very much for listening as always. Um, have a great week. Enjoy the, the last remaining mince pies. Goodbye. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.